Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh. I am so glad that you are listening in right now, that you've invited me to share a little bit of God's Word with you today. I'm excited to do that. I hope that you really benefit from this. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say this, that we are learning how to live as God's people. And we do this by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Well, some people fall into temptation, but a great many make plans for disaster ahead of time. There was a father and a son, and the father looked at the son and he said, Son, don't go swimming today. You always try to go swim in that canal down out by the field. Don't do that. Don't swim in the canal. Okay, Dad, answered the boy. But he came home that day carrying a very wet bathing suit. Where have you been, demanded the father. Well, I... I went swimming in the canal, answered the boy. And the father said, well, didn't I tell you not to swim there? Well, yes, you did, Dad. So why did you do it? Well, Dad, I had my bathing suit with me, and I I, I couldn't resist the temptation. And the father said, well, why on earth did you take your bathing suit with you? And the, the son replied, well, so I'd be prepared to swim in case I was tempted. And that's how it goes for a lot of us, huh? We want to be ready when we're tempted. Well, I don't know that any of us want to be ready when we're tempted. We want to be ready to resist temptation. But a lot of us, we set ourselves up to fail with temptation. So today, I want to take a few minutes and talk about temptation and a little bit about how to face it. Our scripture text is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It's a passage that's often called the temptation of Christ, or Jesus in the wilderness. It's a scene describing Jesus alone in the wilderness. Well, he's not quite alone. He's being tempted by the devil. Leon Morris, reflecting on this passage, writes these words, There is no freedom from temptation in this life. I'm going to repeat that, because I think that's important for us to hear. There is no freedom from temptation in this life. There was not for Jesus, and there is not for us. But here's the truth. Jesus shows us how to resist temptation by letting God be the foundation of defense against that temptation. And then the temptation in the wilderness also shows us that Jesus is the solution to sin when we do fall into temptation. So let's go ahead and read the text in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It goes like this Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. <clears throat> he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him an instant, in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, 
He will command the, his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and there they will lift you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Out in the wilderness, alone and hungry, Jesus faces temptation from the devil, the master tempter. But Jesus is the temptation resistor. And we can learn a lot about facing temptation from him. So, let's take a minute here and start with just understanding a little bit more about temptation, because temptation, it can dominate your life. It, and overcoming temptation can mean liberation and real freedom. Understanding temptation can certainly help us in resisting it. A couple things about temptation. First, when you are tempted, it will be over things which you have some control. See, the temptations of Jesus' story will not likely tempt you and me very much. When was the last time you were tempted to turn rocks into bread or to test the saving power of God by throwing yourself up a high place? Those are not things that typically tempt us. I, Myself, I'm tempted by like chocolate, not kale. I'm, I'm tempted by guitars, not cars. I, the things that I really enjoy, those are the things that tempt me to misuse them. The temptations I face and you face will be within the world of your control. And at the root of Jesus' temptations, stones to bread, worship for authority, the testing of the power of God, is something we're each tempted with, which is to make ourselves the center. And that leads really well into the second understanding of temptation is that temptation wants you to get your way, no matter the consequences. Neil Anderson writes this, the essence of temptation is the invitation to live independently of God. And that's the heart of temptation. It's, it's once we realize this, that it wants to make us get our way, we have a powerful tool in re- resisting temptation because we can say, you know, instead of my way, I want to draw near to God. Thirdly, about temptation is it's got a habit of growing. Alexander McLaren writes, temptation once yielded to gains power. And I'll tell you this, temptation that's toyed with, it only grows. James chapter 1 affirms this when it talks about temptation and sin. It describes it in kind of a growing terminology. So, if you go to James 1, verse 14 and 15, you'll read this, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Temptation has a way of growing, so beware of that. It's not just going to get smaller. You've got to deal with it. Fourthly, temptation by itself is not sin. Take heart in that. you got to act on it first. So don't be hard on yourself if you're tempted. Realize that temptation is a call to battle with sin. All right? And you can only win it with the help of Jesus. It's, temptation itself is not a sin. Please know that. Here's a quote from J.C. Ryle. To be tempted is in itself no sin. It is the yielding to temptation and giving it a place in our hearts, which we must fear. Fifthly, God does not tempt. He will never lead you into sin. 
Don't ever accuse God of causing you to sin. That's not how he operates. He'll lead you out of it. James chapter 1, verse 13 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And sixthly, when it comes to understanding sin, this, temptation can be tamed and overcome. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So, it helps to understand some of uh, these aspects of temptation. It begins to give us some tools for doing battle with it, for resisting it. But I also want to mention three practical Um, some practical things about temptation. And I want to look at really three practical directions we can travel for overcoming temptation. And I want to get to the part where we talk about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. We will get there. But whenever I want to talk about temptation, I always think, you know what, we really got to talk about some practical things. A couple of practical things. One, temptation is harder to resist when you think no one's watching. When you think you're alone, it's easy to kind of fall prey to temptation. So, find someone that you can be accountable to. Uh, Practical tip number two, when you are tired, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're grieving, when you're worn out in some way, shape, or form, you are more susceptible to temptation. So, if you are wrestling hard with temptation, take care of yourself. And temptation, as much as I said... uh, Temptation is easier when you're alone. <sighs> Keep away from those who struggle with the same temp- temptations because uh, they'll lead you right there, too. And so I will have a verse here, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, which offers this advice in the form of directions traveled in company you keep. 2 Timothy 2, chapter, tw- or chapter 2, verse 22 says this, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Real simple verse there. And in that verse, there's there's really two directions, but I'm going to call them three. Three directions of movement on how to deal with temptation. First one, flee. Run away from evil. Stay away from it. Get away from it. If you're walking towards something you know you shouldn't be doing, stop. You're going the wrong direction. Flee from it. But don't just flee away from bad things. Pursue. Pursue is an important word. Pursue that which is good and godly. You got to go somewhere. No one stands still in life. Instead of lurching towards sinfulness, pursue the holiness of God. And the third part, you say, well, that's not a direction. But I say, let's call them traveling companions. Travel with those who call upon the Lord. The company you keep will strengthen you in your relationship with God, and they will help you with temptation, or they will feed your temptations. Now, this is all practical and good. You have some directions to travel with when it comes to temptation, but there are more important foundations that you need to have in place when facing temptation. And Jesus shows those essential foundations in the account of his own temptation in the wilderness. So now I want to turn to three necessary foundations for facing temptation.
Now we can go to the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And here's something I want to point out about it right away. When we read that story, especially in Luke, when we read the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, we are meant to compare the temptation of Christ in the wilderness with the temptation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In the previous chapter of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. And when he's baptized, there's a voice that comes from heaven, and it says this. It's in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. It says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the launch of Jesus' ministry. It begins with the Father identifying the Son and letting him know he is pleased with him. Now, if you keep reading the third chapter of Luke, you'll find that Luke lists out Jesus' family tree. And these lists are important, but they are, well, tempting to skip over. This list goes all the way back to the first person. And it ends with an interesting phrase. So, if you go through the whole list, and yeah, we'll skip most of it here. We'll go all the way to Luke chapter 3, verse 38, where it says, The son of Enosh the son of Seth, the son of Adam. Yeah, Adam, the first person. And then it says this, the son of God. So, there in Luke chapter 3, we get Jesus called the son of God, and then we get Adam called the son of God. We are meant to compare them against each other. Adam is tempted by the devil, And he and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin enters the world and the human race. Jesus is tempted by the devil, and he resists. And it is by Jesus that sin is dealt with once and for all. Jesus is the escape from sin for the human race. But if you take a moment and look at Adam and Jesus being tempted, you'll find that all that helpful advice I gave you before about not being alone and and not being, you know, tired and hungry and all that. It, it's just not enough. There, You need something more than the practical steps. You, think, you look at Adam. He was not alone in the garden. He had the perfect companion, custom made for him, Eve. And yet he felt a temptation. Jesus was alone. Well, he appears to be alone. There were no disciples there to witness his battle with the devil, and he resists. Adam was in paradise, full of food he could get whatever he wanted. He was not hungry. He had nearly limitless freedom, and yet he fell to temptation. Jesus was in the wilderness. The people of Israel knew this strip of land really well. It was a small desert located partly in the area we would call today the West Bank. It's an area of about 930 square miles here in Ohio. If you take Delaware County and Franklin County and you put them together, that's about about the same size of land. It's a high plateau, it's very desolate, full of small round stones, and it's just striped with deep valleys that catch any water that does happen to fall in the area, and it all drains down into the Dead Sea. It's a very lonely, miserable place. The Israelites even had a name for it, the Desolation. Yeah, that's how bad of a place it is. Jesus is just about the opposite of Adam as far as Adam's in a garden place full of food. Jesus is in a desert wilderness, nothing to eat for 40 days. 
the practical advice for resisting temptation goes out the window. It's out there while Jesus is in the wilderness. He doesn't have food to eat. He doesn't have uh, company to keep. He, But he shows us something about resisting found, uh, temptation. He's got a more critical foundation, and we need that foundation for ourselves. From Jesus, we, three, we see three essential foundations for resisting temptation. And all three of these foundations place the power of resisting temptation in God and not ourselves. And that is critical. Francis Fenlon says this, To realize God's presence is the one sovereign remedy against temptation. Once we are depending upon God, we are able to fight sin. So here's the first essential foundation for resisting temptation. One, God must set the agenda of your life. He must set the agenda for your life. It is God that must do it. From beginning to end, God is leading the way for Jesus in this story. It looks like the devil's calling the shots in the wilderness. He sets the table with three temptations. Make bread, worship, test God. Here's all these temptations. Seems like the devil's in charge. And it appears like Jesus is alone in this battle, but he is not. The devil never had a moment where he was in charge. The whole story begins with Jesus. It begins with this. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Please note that. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. And he left the Jordan and was led by a good idea he had? No. By what he thought was right? No. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This isn't Jesus' idea. This is not the devil's plan. It's the Spirit of God leading the way. The Heavenly Father is setting the agenda. One of the great lessons that Jesus shows us in his whole ministry is the importance of obeying the will of the Father. It's there in John chapter 5, 19. It's all throughout the Gospels, and this is one example. Jesus is answering, and he says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus, all through his ministry, constantly highlights that he is pointing the way to the Father. He does the will of the Father. It's never just his idea. It is the Father's plan. God the Father has set the agenda for Jesus the Son. And resisting temptation for us is the same. We let God set the agenda of our life. The more you say yes to God and let him set the agenda of your life, the more you will find victory over temptation. Billy Graham says this, The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. If you let God set the agenda of your life, you will find victory over temptation. And every time you struggle with sin, it's because you have said yes to someone else other than God. Each answer that Jesus gives to Satan really comes down to his obedience to the Father's plan. And each time we are looking for victory over temptation, it's going to come down to us saying yes to God's agenda. Secondly, the second foundation in this story, God's word sets the boundaries. And so, for us, the foundational truth we need is that God's word sets the boundaries of your life. 
you got to have boundaries. You got to have limits. You got to know where the edges are. And so you need to let God's word set the boundaries for your life. The devil tempts Jesus three times in this story. And each time, Jesus answers with scripture. Please hear that. He answers with scripture. Jesus never argues with the devil. He doesn't reason with the devil. He does not explain himself to the devil. He cites scripture alone. He never actually has a real conversation back and forth with the devil. The devil tempts him and he shares a scripture. That's it. He cites scripture alone. God's words are the boundaries of this battle. It's not like the devil tempts Jesus to turn stones into bread, and then Jesus responds with a discussion, well, you know, I'm not really that hungry yet. Uh, or, or that Jesus says, you know, I, I was the one who made the stones. Um, it's, it's not like Jesus is sitting there going, I, I don't get why this is a problem, Satan, turning these stones into bread. How is that sinful? <clears throat> and even in that temptation, the devil was questioning his title, Son of God. And the devil saying, if you really are the son of God or prove you're the son of God, but there's no actual argument in the desert. It's not like there are two kids sitting out there in the desert and one's going, are not, are two, are not, and two. You know, they're not arguing. It's Jesus knew God's word and that word set the boundaries. Interestingly enough. If you dig in a little deeper on the quotes that Jesus uses to answer the devil, he quotes from a very small portion of the Bible, a very specific place. It's from Deuteronomy. Only Deuteronomy does Jesus quote from when he's battling with the devil. And it's only Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. And in these chapters, Israel is wandering the wilderness, and they are floundering in their faithfulness to God. And so, here's Jesus in the wilderness, and he says, I am faithful to the Father. And he quotes these scriptures, and these scriptures set the boundaries. So, you need to use the Bible as the boundary of your life. And I know that's not easy. I mean, even in this passage, the devil quotes the Bible too. And if he can use the Bible, how are we going to know when it's being used rightly or not, right? Okay? Because people can misuse the Bible all the time. Here's a little tip. Over Christmas, I was scrolling through social media like all us people do anymore, right? This little video clip came up, and it held this wonderful truth about how to read the Bible. And I just wanted to share with share that with you. And the idea is this about reading the Bible. The lens you use in your mind when you read the Bible matters. See, a lot of us read the Bible looking for ourselves in the Bible. We look for our desires, our preferences in the Bible. So, I read the Bible with me in mind. But the challenge was this. Read the Bible looking for God. When you read the Bible, look for the Father. Look for the Son. Look for the Holy Spirit. Look for God. Read the Bible looking for Him. Look for what God loves. Look for what he hates. Look for what motivates him to do what he does. That should become the lens by which we read the Bible. And when that becomes a lens by which we read the Bible, that will sift out some of the crazy interpretations that people try to use to misuse the Bible. The third, the third foundation that is so needed in resisting temptation is this. God's glory needs to become the goal of your life. 
each of Jesus' responses to the devil's temptations, each of them, each of those responses point to the glory of the Father. Jesus puts the Father at the center of each response. This is most true when the devil offers the nations of the world in return for a little bit of worship, and and Jesus' response is, worship the Lord only. When you are staring down temptation, ask yourself if God will get glory or if you will rob him of glory. Because each time we succumb to temptation, we are taking a little bit of glory from God. And we are called to give him glory and give him glory often. So these three keys can become a foundation, a solid foundation for resisting temptation. But they're not just for resisting temptation, they're for growing deeply as a Christian. I mean, seriously, go back and look at those keys again. That God must set the agenda for your life. That God's word must set the boundaries of your life. That God's glory must be the goal of your life. If you're doing those things, you are going to grow deeply as a Christian. I want to remind you about the temptation of Christ here. One last thing. Each temptation that Jesus faces is really a challenge to him. Will he choose the Father's plan or try to take a shortcut? So, Father's plan was the cross. Shortcut would be a way to win people over without having to die on a cross. And each time Jesus says no to the devil, he is saying yes to the cross. He says yes to laying down his life, to shedding his blood, to pay the price for your sins. That's what he's done for you. That's the kind of Savior he is. So, will you say yes to Jesus? Will you let him be Lord of your life? And will you let God lay a powerful powerful foundation in your life today to resist temptation? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, go before us in all of our doings with your most gracious favor and further us with your continual help that in all of our works begun, continued, and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.